Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Um, I gave my life to Christ in 2009 from reading the Bible for the first time, and uh, it was my first time ever going to church, and and I really didn't know what to expect. And after being involved with church from that point forward, um, I've learned that there's a lot of ministers, there's a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders that are in really spiritual positions but aren't very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And you guys are so blessed to have Pastor Mondo, Pastor Stephen uh, leading you guys because these guys pray. They, they fast. They do spiritual things. They read the Bible. And it's, it's almost scary when you realize how many people don't do that. I, I spoke to a group of pastors um, months ago, and I told them about how our church was doing a, a 21-day fast. And they all started laughing. They're like, well, we won't do that at our church. <laughs> and, and this was the, the pastors of the church saying that they weren't willing to do that. And your, your leaders here, they're such spiritual men and women of God that that are rare to come by and it is such an honor to be able to be in y'all's home today to to be able to speak to you guys because i know that you guys have such amazing leadership such amazing pastors so can we give them all a hand real quick you know uh how many runners do we have in here anyone like running who here hates running all the runners rose their hand. <laughs> uh, I was in a I was in a couple accidents when I was uh, growing up. I was like I shared with you guys earlier. I was not always a Christian. Um, it was later on in my life, and before I gave my life to Christ, I actually got hit by a car while I was jumping somebody. And then later on, I got in an accident on a on a moped, but it had Harley stickers on it, so I could say that I got in a Harley accident. <laughs> And so I messed up both of my legs, and in the process of giving my life to Christ, I started praying for God to give me the ability to run, because I had a real bad limp. And, and it was just an amazing thing to not being a runner at all, to all of a sudden uh, I started running, believing that I was really being healed by God. And I would run, and all of a sudden I was running for miles and miles without stopping, and I never was a runner before. In 2012, I did a half marathon in, in Austin. And how many of y'all been to Austin before? It has a lot of hills, right? Stupid amount of hills. And I did that half marathon uh, in two hours and four minutes. And some of y'all might be impressed with that time. Some of y'all think, like, that's kind of slow. But there's a lot and lot of lot of hills, okay? <laughs> and I, I was able to do this half marathon without stopping. And, and I was really proud of that. You know, especially from being a person that had a really bad limp to being able to run. And I feel like, I feel like so many times when I am at church, I feel like I'm almost like an outcast. I almost feel like I, I don't fit in. It is the hardest thing in my life to feel like I fit in at church. Because I was just never in that niche. I just never was raised that way. The first time I ever felt really accepted at church was when I started my own church here in San Antonio, Gravetop Church. So that's a good plug, right? <laughs> but it, it's one thing that I just, I've just never been able to fit in. And whenever I talk to people 
have been raised in church or been, you know, you know, the motions, you know how to speak Christianese. You know, you tell everyone, God bless your brother. Yes, sister. And you just like, you know how everything works and operates. You know, when the when they're going to cue the music, you know, when that someone's going to come up and tell you to lift your hands. And you, it's like you're on autopilot sometimes because you've gotten so good at church. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And for me, what was so bizarre is meeting people in church and I just came running from the dark and I found the light and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was literally blown away once I found this truth. I could not believe I spent all my time doing drugs and associating with gang members and violence when I could have been in church this whole time when I could have had this relationship with God. I was, I was completely blown away. But what is even more bizarre is that all the people in church are running the opposite direction. And they want to see what the darkness is like. They want to see what the pleasures of the world is like. But from the other side, I'll tell you that the pleasures of the world are, are so fleeting. It's insatiable. You always feel like if you just do it one more time, if you just go a little bit further, it's going to satisfy you. It's going to make you feel good. But it's just this crazy lie that you end up chasing and chasing and chasing till where one drink turns into drinking every day. And this isn't part of the preaching. I'm just talking. We're just talking, right? This is just conversation. And it's, it's so bizarre, all the Christians that I meet that are running to the world. I mean, what is the statistic for young people that were in youth group and, and grow, growing up in church? It's 70 to 80 percent of those young people end up abandoning their faith once they go to college. And so most of you guys are a bizarre number just to be here. But how much, how much time does that take? How much longer do you got? And the title of today's message is Running. Look at your neighbor and say, Running. I love running, but just like most of y'all, it's a bitter hate relationship. I feel like most people that don't want to run will make up excuses and reasons why not to run. I mean, tell me if you have ever heard something like this. Well, running's not even really good for you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, I don't want to go running because I'm going to lose all my gains. I burn more calories just working out in the gym than I do running. I don't need to run at all. And it's like everyone has a reason not to go running. Me personally, I, I feel like I'm pretty good in shape. I, I, could prob- I probably have like 10, 5, 10 pounds of dad bod going on. But when I go running, I see immediate results. I'm serious. I can go to the gym and it takes me weeks. But when I go running, not only do I feel a complete difference, but I feel like I can see a difference really soon. And I feel like running is such an interesting idea. Because even though it's like you're just working your legs... I, when I go running, I, I, I try to run like an animal. I even start grunting and yelling while I'm running. I want, I want to feel like I'm chasing something. I don't want to just go running. I want to chase something to take down. Y'all know what I'm saying? And I went running last night, and I, and I, I like to go running when I'm in a bad mood. If I have an emotional thing going on in my life, or if I have something that I really need to pray about, I like to go running because I feel like on that run, I, I feel like God just speaks to my heart because my whole body is getting wrecked. My, my body is being broken. And it seems like God speaks to me the best in the midst of my brokenness. 
And I want to ask you guys this one thing. We're in a church, so I would assume that most of you guys have an idea of who Jesus is and are somewhat of a believer. What is the best benefit of being a Christian? I want you to ask yourself that. And I want you to think about that answer for you. What is the best benefit of being a Christian? Is the benefit that you would say now the same of when you first became a Christian? Is it different? Let me read you all this verse in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. Someone say the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose. Someone say purpose. In every step, I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. See, whether it's relationships, whether it's careers, whether it's dreams, or whether it's God, we're either running or waiting in this world. It's very rare to find a person running after a hope and a future. More often, people are running away from their passions in exchange for cheap pleasures. Then there are those who believe that if they simply wait long enough, something will change. But this is only half of a truth. The moment that you decide that there is no plan B and that you have a prize to win, that you have to run, limp, or crawl with everything you got to chase after it. See, I think that so often as Christians, especially young Christians, I feel like young Christians are so fired up. At least they pretend to be most of the time. And we got this passion inside of us like, yeah, we're all about this God thing. But there's so many like holes along the way. I feel like so often now more Christians that young Christians are more so opinionated than they are passionate. Y'all dig what I'm saying? I feel like a lot of Christians nowadays aren't really chasing something in God. They're just trying to see what God feels like in their situation. And I, I recently heard that you guys just went through a whole series about who God is, what he is, right? Is that true? Am I lying? No, right? So y'all just learn all the things that God is. And those things are true. God is your healer. He's your provider. He's your victory. He's your hope. He's everything that you need. And so there's, there's that point where we need something from God. And we either wait or we run away once we don't get it. That question I asked you at the beginning what is the best benefit of being a Christian? I would imagine that some people say, well, your life is blessed when you are with God. Well, God helps you in life. It's just, it makes things easier. There's more peace with God than without him. Or you don't go to hell. No one wants to go to hell, right? God is the best hell insurance. More specifically, Jesus. But what I want to project to you is that if your answer is anything circumstantial, then you are a ticking time bomb. When I ask people, why are you a Christian? 
Most people usually tell me God's been either really good or really bad. My life has been really good. My life has been really bad. God has been so good to me. How could I not worship him? My life has been so bad. Where else am I going to go? And it's very rare that I hear someone say, Jesus died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. See, the best benefit to being a Christian is having a relationship with God. And if your answer is anything but that, then you're in dangerous waters. Because the minute that those circumstances aren't met, what's keeping you there? Did you know that Paul, and multiple times throughout the epistles and Colossians, even Philippians, he says, I've done everything else. I've lived a life of religion. I lived a life of achievements. I've done miracles. I've done great things, but I count it all as loss. In fact, I count it all as garbage in comparison to the simple knowing of Jesus. Simply knowing Jesus is better than anything else he's ever done. Now, look, I've never, I don't know, prayed over someone to walk and they start walking. I've never seen super bizarre miracles. I've seen miracles, but I've never prayed for my bank account to be filled and the next day it was filled. And Paul is the guy that like, when he prayed, things would happen. (laughs) It's like, if you were ever going to go to a, A prayer night, you'd want to go when Paul showed up. People are at the altar with their sicknesses and diseases. You'd be showing up with your wallet on the altar. (laughs) Come on, Lord. (laughs) You did it for that crippled person there. You could do it for my crippled bank account. (laughs) See, Paul would, Paul, he could do almost, it seems like he was a superhero. And he says, oh, those superpowers are meaningless in comparison to knowing Christ. That that simple relationship is more valuable than any healing, any, any achievement, any blessing, that that simple relationship with God is what matters most. And see, when it comes to this running, and this, these verses I shared in 1 Corinthians, Paul describes this, this Christianity as running a race, running a race. And he's saying, not just shadow boxing, he's comparing it to boxing. Like if you're practicing for boxing where you're just trying to get better. He's saying it's not about being a better person or a better Christian, but that you're actually trying to win something in this race. And what do you think it is that you're trying to win? I would like to believe that's that deeper relationship with Christ. That oneness with God. That's what Paul was chasing his entire life. Even when he was persecuting the Christians, he was really just trying to chase this deeperness with God, even though he was doing it the wrong way. And when you get yourself so caught up in what you want, even what you need, it it can be so blinding to what's actually important. I'll be frank with you guys. I've done almost everything else that the world has to offer. But once I found Christ, I didn't need anything else. And the Christians that are dabbling and seeing what the world is like to see how pleasurable it is, they're fools. Fools. I I had a a pastor that friend of mine one day tell me he's he he ended up closing his church and said, you know, this is actually really good for me and my wife because 
We've actually always been in church ever since we were kids. We were raised in church, and this is the first time where we, we don't have to go serve at church on Sunday. So it's, a, it's kind of a blessing. And I kind of bit my tongue because, like, man, you think that living in the light is tough. You should live in the darkness for a while and see how horrible and unforgiving it is. I mean, coming, I'm not being raised in a Christian home. There's times where I slept outside. There's times where I stole to eat. And having a person complain like, well, you know, being forced to go to church is tough. You know what? I'm about to sock you in the mouth. (laughs) That's how you get beat up real quick, right? (laughs) See, we don't really know how good we have it until we see how bad the rest of the world is. I was holding my daughter uh, just yesterday. And I was looking at how much I love her, how much I cherish her, how meaningful she is to me. How I would do anything to show her my love. That there wouldn't be one moment where where I would want her to fight for my love or doubt my love. Or even feel like she has to do something to earn my love. And I thought about that. Y'all ever hear that one song? I think it's called Piece by Piece by Kelly Clarkson. It's a song where she sings about her deadbeat dad who was never there. And there's even a time where she was singing on American Idol. And during her performance, she started breaking down and crying because of how emotional the song was to her. She's talking about this dad that was never there. Once she became famous, all of a sudden he started sending her cards. It was never the father that he needed to be. And I think it's crazy that there's so many people that want a father, that want that dad to just love them, to care about them. This girl's singing about this, this stranger. She doesn't even know her dad. She doesn't even know this man. And it breaks her heart to not know him. And I'm holding this little girl in my hands. And now look, I don't know the future. I, she's probably going to be the perfect angel. She's going to probably always just call me super dad. She's going to just always cherish my love and, and all that. But then there's a reality part where I believe that teenagers are God's way of showing parents what it's like to have someone created in your own image rebel against you. And she's going to probably get a moment where she says, I hate you. I'm going to ground her and take away her phone and act all tough like, oh, that's it. Give it right here. And I'm going to go in my room and cry. (laughs) My baby girl. But see, she... What I'm so grateful for is that she's never going to have to know the other side. See, that's what we're like in church is we have such a good father. We forget what it's like to be fatherless. Why, why do people believe that once you just get right with God, everything's good? Have you ever noticed that maybe once you became a Christian, your life kind of got a little more complicated? You ever notice that even you thought your family members would be happy for you, but they're like, why are you doing all that? I remember at, at the house I lived at, when I gave my life to Christ, it wasn't my family, but I was living with them. I had to hide when I was fasting. And I remember once I became a Christian, it's like they were more mad about me going to church than they were about me smoking weed and doing drugs. And see, it's, it's weird that once you become a Christian, it seems like, Everyone, everything seems to fall apart. Yet, 
so many times we believe that, well, God is perfect. Once I get right with God, everything else will fall in line. See, that just, once you get right with God, once you become a Christian, you're just starting the race. How many of y'all know that the first start of the race, you got all that adrenaline, you're like, let's do this. Stretch, I'm not pulling no hamstring. I got this. And then once you're like quarter way in, you're like, I'm going to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. I'm going to stop. No, I'm not going to stop. And that, that running gets a little bit harder, right? In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, this is David. Y'all know who David is in the Bible? He's the second king of Israel. He was an important guy. And God told him, you're going to be the king over Israel one day. You're going to be blessed. And he had all these confirmations. It just like seemed like his life was going to be perfect. It was like, man, oh my gosh, me? Come on, God. I'm just a little shepherd's boy. And then it says in this one part, through all of his tribulations, says through all of his opposition, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. See, when you're chasing after God or when you're chasing after a dream that God gave you, there's so many young people that have these dreams that God put in their heart. And they, they go like halfway or maybe a quarter way, not even halfway. They take one step forward and they're like, I'm going to just wait for God to move. I'm going to wait for the Lord because the Bible says to wait on the Lord. And that's half of it. The other part is that you still have to keep moving. You still have to keep running. It, we're, we're not just supposed to, to wait for something to happen. There's so many moments where God will do that for us. But it's almost like the bigger and badder promises that you're holding on to require a little bit more endurance. And so many Christians abandon their faith because they were waiting for so long and nothing happened. But it's because you are not meant to just stand there. You're meant to run. You're meant to keep going. You're meant to do something. Y'all feel me? David, you notice how it says that his own men, David was already hated in all of his country. And he managed to find some homeboys that supported him. And now those very homeboys are talking about stoning him. He got nobody. And it said that he found his strength in the Lord. See, what happens when we feel discouraged? We have the biggest and baddest pity party ever. Streamers and everything. We get confetti, cake, anything to bring to our pity party. Do you ever have that one person you like to call and really let that pity party get started? Y'all know what I'm talking about? That used to be my dad. Me and my dad never had a relationship growing up. God totally restored it, redeemed it. And I remember I called him. I was like, man, this happened. I, I should have expected. I should have known. And I'm so grateful for, that my dad doesn't like going to parties. And my dad literally said, why don't you just stop that right there? I don't need to hear your pity party. You just need to get back up and keep going. Nothing's changed. It sucks, yeah, but just keep going. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's true. See, David, he found his strength in the Lord. 
He went back to God and said, it, it doesn't matter. I know that this isn't what I expected, that this is a lot more opposition than I originally thought, but I'm going to keep running. I'm going to just get back up. I want you to think about whatever that opposition is for you, whether it's feeling like you're just not matched for the, the dream that you have. Maybe, I, I don't know about you guys, but I got married when, uh, when I was 20. I asked my wife to marry me when I was 19 and I was ready. And there's some of you that maybe that's your dream too, to get married young. And you feel unqualified and outmatched. You feel like there's too much opposition for you. Maybe you feel like what you want to do, you have no support. Maybe you want to start a business. Maybe you want to go to college. Maybe you want to drop out of college. I don't know. But you feel like no one is supporting the vision you have. You're having to do it all alone. You have plenty of critics and antagonists. Plenty of people to tell you how much you're not going to make it. See, that, that's like David where he just had to get back up and keep going. I believe that life is so simple. It's like walking along a path, a journey, and eventually a tree falls on you. That that's life. Everyone is going to have a tree fall on them. If you feel like you haven't had a tree fall on you yet, then just brace yourself. But life is just about walking along this journey, whether you're doing something good or something bad, and then something's going to hurt. Something's going to be so difficult that you're going to have to go through. And you have a choice to just lie there in that pity party state. You have the decision to turn back from where you came and go the other way. Or you have a decision to keep going forward, but you're just going to be crawling now. See, when that tree falls on you, you, you get up with a little bit more determination. See, when David got up from the strength in the Lord, he went to all the people that were just talking about stoning him. Now, look, if someone just talks behind my back, I feel awkward. They just got done saying how we're going to kill this guy. All right, look, guys, we're going to go over here and we're going to go get that stuff back. Y'all in? That is the hardest pep talk I think anybody could ever do to pep up people that were ready to kill you. But he came, it's almost like he came back stronger after getting knocked down. But so many times in our Christian walk, one bad thing happens. We're like, God, you're not perfect. My life isn't perfect. This isn't what I thought. Maybe it's through hardship. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, this is Paul talking. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults, and the hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I don't know how many coffee mugs you guys have looked at. But I feel like most coffee mugs just say, my grace is all you need. It doesn't say nothing about the troubles, the insults, the persecutions. Here, this is Paul saying how encouraged he is in Christ. As well as saying that he doesn't even care about how 
weak he feels, how insulted he is. The hardships, I mean, just right there, just through the hardships. How many of y'all's life is difficult or hard? Yeah, okay, some slow hand raises. I like the suspense. Overdramatize it. Yeah, it is so hard. Yeah. See, at what point did we think that our lives weren't going to be hard after becoming Christians? Paul, all he talks about is going through hardships. It's like all he says. You ever hear that verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's right after he got done saying how he's whipped and beaten, left for dead multiple times. We only take the good part. We don't chew on the reality that this life that we're in is a painful, broken, and evil world that has a devil that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Y'all think what I'm saying? Why are we surprised? Why do we seem like we're taken off guard when life is hard? Can I just be real? We need to just get up and keep running. It doesn't matter how sinful you feel. It doesn't matter how guilty, shameful, broken, hurt, emotional, pathetic, lonely, anxious, depressed. It doesn't matter any of those emotions. Let me just tell you one thing. Get back up and keep running. Y'all dig that? Every one of us are broken losers. Encouraging, right? Every one of us has had those thoughts in our heads. Saying, you're so stupid. What made you think you could do that? Every one of us has thought like that. All we have to do is get back up. It's not that you don't even have to overcomplicate it. Don't even think about it. Just do it. Just get up and keep walking. And once you're ready, start running again. Y'all feel me? Nothing goes right. Everything goes wrong. It hurts how hard this life is. Now, this is one of my favorite parts. Y'all ready? This is through doubts and confusion. Because don't you just feel like, well, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) Why is this happening? It says in John chapter 6, verse 67 through 69. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. This is right after Jesus told the hundreds of people that were following him that they had to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And now this leads me to believe that these disciples are psychotic. That Jesus just told hundreds of people, if you want to live forever, you better eat my flesh and drink my blood. I would be out. I'm like, well, he's obviously possessed by the devil. (laughs) He's obviously crazy. I mean, any rational person could think that, right? But see, with God, you you cannot be rational. You, You cannot think too much into it. Think about a miracle. It doesn't make sense. If you try to rationalize it, you just end up... Uh, sounding stupid or you just become such a hopeless person 
See, the disciples, they stayed. And Jesus, he's, he's like mad right here. You going to leave too? I'm like, chill, bro. <laughs> Calm down. Like, I know they all just left, but bro, you told them to drink your blood. <laughs> and Peter, he, he's like, everyone else, no one else says anything. None of the other disciples say anything. Why? Because it's a really awkward moment. And Peter's like, where else are we going to go? We've been following you all this time. I left my fishing nets. My wife, I told her that I found the, the best thing ever. I'll just seem stupid if I go back now. If I just tell her everything I believed about you was wrong. It's almost like Peter's pride at this point is holding him there. No, J- Jesus, we're going to stick with you. Right, guys? And they're all like, yeah, we'll stay. Yeah, we're here, man. We got your back. See, we got to get through the doubts that we have, the confusion. There's so many times I doubt and get confused. It seems like the, some of the things I prayed for for years and once they finally got answered, there was times where I was like, that's why you didn't do it then. And there's other times like, God, come on, man. You could have done this years ago. This would have been fine. There's so many times that you doubt and you feel confused. I mean, how many of you guys have been confused about your future? How many of you guys have been confused about your calling? Have been confused about your relationship with Christ? I don't know how many people I've talked to that tell me, I don't even know if I'm saved. You've been confused about your own salvation. You know, the book of Romans says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the dead, surely you are, you are saved. If you're, if you're trying to walk in a, a relationship with God, you're in it, dog. You got it. You got some work to do, but you're on the right track. You're just getting warmed up. Just keep running and you will be surprised after some time how fast you're going to be able to run. But just don't give up on this thing. It doesn't make sense. You feel stuck. But you know deep down that it's right. You know deep down that it's right. I want you to think about what feels right to you. And I know that every human being knows deep down that God is right. Their creator is right. I don't know how many atheists I've talked to that either have become Christians and admitted that while they were atheists, that they never really deep down believed that God didn't exist, but that they were so bitter towards him that they said that he didn't, even though they knew it wasn't true. And there's so many people, atheists I've talked to, that just in the conversation by the end of it, They know logically that God exists, but emotionally they choose not to believe in him. See, we deep down know that this is the right thing, that it that we've arrived at something true and real. And so often we allow others to push us away from what's right. We allow others to lead us away, even though we know where we're at is right. And. I just want you to to close your eyes for a minute. Are you ready to run for God? 
And, and I want you to, while your eyes are closed, I want you to imagine Jesus Christ in front of you. And I want you to think for a second, for a moment, are you willing to run after this guy? To chase him like you're chasing a prize? Because so many of us have been stagnant and waiting for Jesus to come to us, but he already did that on the cross. He came down to earth and we're waiting for him to, to, to smooth us, to romance us even further. He's left it in our court. You make the decision. You make the next move. And that next move needs to be a run. How, how can you walk towards someone that loved you so much? He loves you more than any other human being. And he proved it. When I think about how many times God has forgiven me after I gave my life to Christ. Where else could I go to find that kind of love? I got to chase it. I got nowhere else to go. I need to run after this thing because everything else that I've ran after doesn't satisfy my soul. And if you don't feel satisfied in your soul right now, it's because you need to run after God. You need to run after him. You need to cut the baby walk, and you need to run. So with that being said, I want everyone here to stand up on your feet, and I want you to lift your hands. And I want you to keep your eyes closed, and I want you to just lift your hands, and I want you to talk to God for a second. And I want you to just tell Him that you're ready. That you're ready. That you're tired of running in these circles of religion, these circles of just going through the motions and you're ready to start running to get somewhere with him. You're ready to run and run and run until you can't run anymore because you know that you are going to find him. And if you're here and you need to, you need to start this race right now. Maybe you got out of the race and you're ready to get back in with everyone's eyes closed and this, this moment of reverence and worship, if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. I see your hands. Yeah, that's right. Don't be ashamed. We all need to run. We all need to get running again. So right where you're at, I want you to pray with me. Just like I told you, I wasn't lying to you. The book of Romans says that Jesus is so good and powerful. And his, his sacrifice on the cross was so meaningful so important that all you have to do to get this race going, all you have to do to get started, to lace up your shoes, is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the grave. Why? Because he rose from the grave? Because if he didn't raise from the dead, then all of this would be meaningless. He would just be a nice gesture. But he proved that he was worth running to when he rose from the dead. All of our faith is based off of the resurrection. So if that's you, you rose your hand, pray with me. And if you already are in this race, pray it again. Reaffirm your relationship with Christ today. Remind yourself that you have a reason to run. Say, Lord Jesus, I need to run. 
I need to run right now to you. You are my prize. I've chased other things, but you're the only thing worth chasing. I believe you are the son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, for my future, and that you rose from the dead. All I want is in you. Be the Lord of my life, the Savior to my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a hand. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.